Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number four of On the Flank. A big, big number four. I'm, I'm excited. Um, this is uh, this is like we're finishing up a month of doing this podcast. My name is John George. I'm alongside uh, Joe Kirkpatrick. Say hello, Joe. Hey, everybody. We fairly nearly hit the big time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when it comes to analysis, we are on the flank. Uh this past weekend, we had we had an, we had some Overwatch to watch. Not only some Overwatch World Cup, but some contenders, some in a season two NA finals. Uh, we'll start with Overwatch World Cup, though. Let's just let's jump right into it. Uh, of course, six teams in in Los Angeles, the U.S. group stage. U.S. and Canada were in it. Um, you had some other teams like Brazil. You had Norway. You had Switzerland. Um, and who was the last team? Fill me in on it. I can't remember. Austria. Yes, Austria. Yeah. Um, a weekend full full of Overwatch. Back, we're back in LA, back in Blizzard Arena. They gave it a little bit of a makeover since Overwatch League with the uh, classic Overwatch World Cup stage. Um, downgrade some might say yes uh, <laughs> i would say so even if you're in the crowd it's a downgrade because you don't have that big screen you just have like two tvs in the top left it's and true. right corner it did not look as fun to watch and if you sat on like if you sat in the first row you had like a small tv on the ground to watch which is it's very interesting very interesting to me that they they downgraded for this because that the, the overwatch league stage is amazing but uh, production aside for now, let's just talk about the results to start. Um, I, last week we previewed this, and I think we both predicted pretty correctly that U.S. and Canada would be moving on. Um, yeah, they, they just have all the Overwatch. Their team is stacked with Overwatch League players. Both of them have one Overwatch Contenders players, and their Overwatch Contender players are pretty pretty good players. Um so it it was obvious. Most Canada forrowed everybody else who wasn't named the U.S. Um, U.S. dropped, I think, two maps to other teams. Uh, well, uh, yeah, one to Canada, one to Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the end, all that mattered was that final game. Even though it didn't matter because both these teams are going to the to the to the uh, to BlizzCon, the top eight. Um, U.S. versus Canada, a kind of show match, I guess, because both of these teams are not eliminated based off whether or not they lost this game. U.S. ended up winning it after a lot of trash talk throughout the entire weekend on Twitter, in person. Um, I think the coaches were almost worse than the players. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, of course. uh, Arrow and uh, Jane, they're both Dallas Fuel coaches, so they got a big rivalry going on. Uh, Now they have to work together next year. (laughs) Yeah. A uh, good way to, to sort of introduce themselves to each other. Um, yeah, and you had some classic rivalries on here, like XQC versus Muma, which is Overwatch League Stage One throwback right there. Um, I've heard I've heard they've sort of tied the knot. They've they've they're not rivals anymore too much, but that that's always an interesting one. Um, yeah, just lots of lots of friends, enemies on these two teams. Uh, and this was a fantastic match. I know you haven't, you have yet to go back and watch the entire thing quite yet. But how was uh, the first? You watched Oasis. You wanted <laughs> yeah. to lead us off with Oasis. Yeah, I watched Oasis. It was, uh, I mean, you know, like we said, they played all three maps uh, or all three points. But yeah, it was just a really, 
I don't know exactly. Maybe maybe varied would be a good word, but um, they, they were able to put in lots of uh, lots of different uh, compositions, and they're they being really flexible to each other, at least at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What did you guys say? Something? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think one of my favorite parts of the U.S. team, and even Arrow mentioned it in like the interviews at halftime is just how flexible they are as a team. He he said, like, we want to be able to switch to any comp, dive, goats, any single comp, and be the best at it. And they were showing that off on every single map in this, in this even Oasis. Um, I think it was uh, one, of the, one of the maps Canada brought out, Reaper and Soldier. Uh, yeah, that was Oasis uh, City Center. Yeah, City yeah, Center. I saw that. Um, and U.S. brought out a Farah to counter it, and they just wiped the map out after after that switch. Pretty much, it was it was a very good switch. Yeah, because they had uh, it was like Note or something was playing Soldier. Uh, it, it's, so the the casters come out. I forget who was casting that, but no, it was UberX. So yeah, one of them yeah. Um, was saying they, they, yeah they just brought out Agilities on Farah just to just to see how good Note really is. <laughs> or no, so it would have been. They brought I don't know him, who was on Farah. I can't remember. Uh, hydration. Hydration, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, yeah. but just just to see how good Note really is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it worked out well. I think Hydration just hit like a big rocket on the Canada team that was hiding around the corner, and that like that splash damage just did it for him that fight. And then it was downhill for Canada from there. But um, overall, US is. I'm impressed with this US US team. More impressed than I was last year. They're so they just mold so well together and they are like arrow's saying they're switching they're switching styles they're switching comps like on the fly and just confusing that the advantage they get by switching comps and being really good at at these comps they're switching to is they just confuse canada and just all of a sudden snowball um and i think i know you you haven't seen but rialto is the perfect example of this U.S. was, like, stopped in overtime at each point on, on Rialto um, because Canada was able to figure out their comps, and then USA, for their last push on each point, would switch to a comp that would just surprise Canada and end up allowing them to take the point in overtime every time on a very tough map to to take those points because it's very defense-favored. So, overall, U.S., really impressed me and of course they had a full full hold on king's row as well Uh, we got to see some sinatra wrecking ball hammond he i think he's he's very good at wrecking ball reinhardt too rolled out in uh and sinatra yep um sinatra just flexing to so many different things and what arrow's saying makes complete sense and he also talked about how they um they have zachary on their team of course and he is part of philadelphia uh you fusion university um and he he said that he was he he tweeted out maybe this morning about how uh thanking zach for allowing uh them to scrim against the fusion university players to adapt to fusions fusion university's like unique style of play which is very aggressive and um sort of very on the fly and they play they they really like to just like play as aggressive as they can and almost completely throw away the classic game sense of like save your alts if if like a couple of your teammates have died 
because they right when they get their alt, they just throw it out there. Um, and they sort of use time to their advantage in that if we have our alt, we're going to use it right away um, in order to get more value than the other team. Super exciting match. I'm, I'm looking forward to you seeing it so we can talk about it more. Um, yeah. It should be... A little probably later today. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, and these two these two teams are probably going to be... Um, honestly, they could possibly be in the top three teams in this World Cup overall, with Korea being number one. Um, I, I definitely think pe- you could see people easily argue that USA is number two and Canada is number three. So... Um, yeah, it should be. Hope, hopefully, we get a, a rematch at BlizzCon. That'd be pretty fun. Definitely, yeah. One where there's actually stakes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because there weren't any really at this one. There weren't. I think Canada would definitely come out um, with a better showing if they got a rematch. All right. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking a lot about USA, Canada, uh, Brazil, Austria, Norway, Switzerland. These four teams, they no one's really talking about them. Probably because they didn't make it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but do you have any notable players on these teams or notable things you want to talk about with these four these four teams? I mean, uh, you know, to start, we got to talk about Brazil. Um, obviously, other than Canada, the only team uh, to take a map off of the U.S. Um, I mean, arguably, you could say that was a uh, that was a mistake uh, from the U.S. rather than a success by Brazil. But still, um, you, you know, we've got um, obviously the core of Brazil gaming house. Uh, Alamao, Honorato, uh, Dudu, Lico, Neil, um, who actually just won uh, Brazil South America contenders uh, last Sunday. Yeah, last Sunday. Uh, so South America contenders champions, um, you know, really showed up. I thought uh, for the matches, uh, the matches they had. I forget uh, who they were talking to. Um, but there's, there's one player in Brazil they interviewed frequently, and after their very first match on day one. Uh, versus Canada, um, his comment was, um, you know, we came here, um, you know, we're definitely not expected uh, to make it out of this stage, but we definitely want to show uh, people what we are capable of uh, in that regard. And I think they definitely um, definitely did work to prove that. I mean, we saw, um, you know, Niels Reinhardt just going crazy like every game they played. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Autorado and the Diva. Uh, it's just good play. I mean, yeah. it's fun to watch. And you got to think if they had like the same advantages that United States and Canada and all these Overwatch League players have, and that's like tons of coaches, um, ability to look at better ability to look at VODs and stats and all this stuff and analyze your play. Brazil would be competing with US and Canada pretty easy. And I definitely think people should consider um, the talent from Brazil Gaming House. Um, and this Brazil team overall for their Overwatch League teams. Of course, we have amazing news of the eight more teams coming that we'll talk more about later. There's lots of roster spots in the Overwatch League now. Um, and I definitely think people should consider these these players because if they had the same advantages, the same because, um, you, you know, down in South America, Blizzard doesn't, Blizzard isn't supporting the South America scene as much as as the NA scene or the Korean scene or any of any of those scenes. Um, so they just have a bunch of disadvantages as a team. And the fact that they were able to come out, take a map off USA, um, and just just basically beat everybody else besides United States and Canada is very impressive, um, especially Norway, because Norway 
Um, did have a bunch of did have a bunch of contenders talent on their team as well. So um, yeah, overall, I'm super impressed by Brazil. And you got to think if if they had the advantages that these other players have, they would be competing with them uh, every single year. But yeah, um, this was it was a it was an obvious obvious to us the two teams that were going to move on here but it was still fun to be back in blizzard arena uh, we got our overwatch league casters um they were they were back monty doa mr x uber hex semler all six of them um, so it was good to have them back uh it was good to be back in blizzard arena and one last thing i want to talk about the crowd was so good the crowd was amazing yeah uh, but uh, it's like we talked about you know, it must have been two weeks ago when we were recapping the South Korea stage. Um, and our comment was, you know, that none of the production at the arena at least seemed to be focused um, towards the Korean language audience that was there. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, you can only imagine that if that had been the case, they would have been, um, you know, just as good a crowd, like you said, at, at this, um, this LA group stage. Because, yeah, it was great uh, for every match, not even just, um, you know, the U.S.-Canada um but yeah there's definitely some some fans that were born i think over this weekend oh yeah um u.s u.s canada was by far the fans best i think like almost just the entire map you saw oasis even just the entirety of maps i feel like the fans in the crowd were cheering for the usa like i would just constantly be hearing them cheering during every single fight which is crazy to me i was like are these people seriously still cheering this is insane um, but yeah, so, something about that that USA pride that gets these fans going, I guess. Um, they they knew the players would be uh, used to that from Overwatch League. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That too. It's a lot like when the LA teams play too in in Overwatch yeah. League. Um, you got a arena full of USA fans, an arena full of LA fans, all that stuff. I mean, that, it makes me um, I it makes me really hope that localization works out in Overwatch League. And that they consistently get fans coming out to those games because it's awesome to see just like an, a really big fan base. Um, so that's it. Overwatch World Cup wise. Congrats to USA and Canada. Um, Contenders NA. This happened. Bef- this uh, finished on Friday. Fusion University versus uh, XL2, of course. 4 0. By Fusion University. I know we were talking about how this should be a good match. XL2 has never faced Fusion University. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it should have been a good match, but it, it was not. Yeah. It, it, was, it wasn't even close. It, uh, Fusion just wiped the floor with New York Excelsior. Mm-hmm. Uh, NYXL2, it was... Um, yeah. <laughs> the... Um, you, you know, and they did an interview with Zachary afterward, because um, again, this was in Blizzard Arena right after uh, Day Two World Cup. They just tacked on the match at the end uh, for the crowd that was already there. Uh, but but they they interviewed Zachary at the end of it, uh, and they said, you, you know, hey, do you guys have some sort of strategy going into this? Whatever. Uh, he just like looks right at the camera. He says, well, we decided we're going to play Somber because she's overpowered, and Doofus because he's overpowered, and Winston because he's overpowered, and there's a game breaking bug, and Ana because she's overpowered, and we're going to just spam her ults when we get them, and then we're going to win. And that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was hard to watch. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I I don't know if I all these all these characters were played pretty often during the World Cup as well. And Fuji University, they're just they're so good. 
these guys are so good. Um, and not only individually are they are they good, but as a team overall, their teamwork is fantastic. Um, and, and I hope to see a bunch of these people in Overwatch League next year, as I keep saying. Beast Halo, but not to mention Zachary. Obviously, he's really good. Beast Halo, really good. Who are you? He's been fantastic Like since Overwatch began. He's He's been in the apex on Lunatakai for for a long time. Yeah, and no, notably for this Contenders match, uh, he played Doomfist, I think, on every map, at least for a while. But like of the vast majority of his time, he was just playing Doomfist the entire match. Yeah. And just just wrecking face, just because of the like, you know, from his team. Oh, yeah. Who Are You is, is 17 years old, so he can't play in Overwatch League, but... Yeah, um, not season two. He's he's amazing. Hopefully he keeps it up. Hopefully he keeps that talent um, this entire time because he's he's a fantastic player. Uh, but yeah, it's it was awesome to see. Even though even if maybe in a couple weeks we t- get tired of Sombra, we get tired of Doomfist, um, and we get tired of Anna. It's great to see these these heroes in the meta. Um, Sombra's like been in the meta in and out. Doomfist was pretty overpowered when he first came out, but then was just nerfed to the ground. Uh, and and then Ana has been hasn't been in the meta for like a year. I feel like. Um, so even if Zach, Zach's saying all these characters are overpowered right now, it's it's fun. It's fun to see these these heroes back and in, into the meta, um, especially something like Doomfist. He's a super skilled, fun hero to watch. Sombra's like. She she's fun to watch at times. Um, I know the character or the players can get super annoyed with her because invisibility is kind of an annoying um, thing. At least Sombra like announces very loudly when she gets out of invisibility, and it's fun to see counterplay even in over in um, in the Canada versus U.S. game. There was tons of counterplay to to um, to counter Sombra's EMP almost immediately when you hear Sombra come out of her uh come out of her invisibility these players will react just almost right when they hear Sombra speak it's amazing to see um Zenyatta's trans people hit alts right before they know Sombra's gonna hit that EMP that's a lot of fun um and seeing these players amazing reaction I imagine it's partly a fear response and partly just practice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and these players just have a really good hand-eye coordination, really good reaction time. Um, and I, I'll always take it. I'll take Anna any time of the week. The Winston bung was, was very unfortunate, though. Uh, yeah. Anything else to say about Fusion University XL2? I don't think so. No. I mean, you know, other than what we already said, you know, yeah. sign them. Somebody Can't... sign them. I'll I'll sign them if nobody else signs them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sign them to this podcast. They will be yeah. permanent guests. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jake and ZP were back too. Um, Jake, back back to casting, and he's he's going to be back for the next thing we're going to talk about: the Overwatch World Cup Thailand group stage, which is this weekend. I am super excited for this one. Um, I think this one should be a lot more closer, a lot, a lot harder to predict which two teams are going to end up going because these teams they have Overwatch League talent. Sweden probably has the most, um, but they they only got like one to two players uh, per team of Overwatch League talent here. So it's going to be interesting to see which two teams move on um, 
And it's also, this is, I believe, the first, like, big Overwatch event in Thailand as well. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, let's, let's predict it. You, do you, do you, are you confident enough to predict which two teams out of these six are going to move on? Well, I mean, so first of all, I don't know if we've, we've said them yet. We've got uh, China, Australia, Sweden, Thailand, Spain, and Denmark. Yep. are the six six teams playing here in this group stage um and yeah i think like you mentioned i um i, I think sweden certainly would be one of my picks yep um you know we've got um most of the core of the former florida mayhem uh is up here as well as snillo philadelphia fusion you know got to support oh, yeah. there but you know he's he's a really good hit scan player he's only their uh, sub though so yeah it's true it's true <laughs> um it, 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 but yeah so uh, Sweden definitely would be one of those two. Um, I, I want to see what happens with China. I, I don't have super high hopes for the Chinese team, um, but I want to see what happens with China. Uh, yeah. I imagine, I imagine these uh, uh, those players will be signed. Um, you know, assuming they do any well at all, to uh, one of these new Chinese teams that we'll talk about. But uh, if I had to pick, you know, a, a second, the uh, second team actually to make it out. Um, it might be Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we got Cust on there. He's, you know, we, we've seen he's a, um, or he can be a, a team-changing player. You know, like Fisher or like, um, can't think of anybody else. But but Custa, you know, um, Custa there, and, and then lots of returning, uh, returning players from past uh, World Cup seasons, uh, from contenders teams. You know, that's, uh, I, I think. Probably Australia, I think, would be my my second pick. That's a that's a good pick. Um, yeah, I'm, as far as my picks go, I agree with you on Sweden. They've got they've got the most Overwatch League talent by far. Even though some of these players, um, they don't they're not they don't have a team anymore. Chips, um, Manitan, no longer Florida Mayhem, which we will talk about. Uh, we have we have that in our news section. Reinforce. He he's usually on the desk. We we get to see him back in action again. Last time we saw him, I guess was was the All Star Weekend. But also, I like how uh, the World Cup website uh, when you pull up the team rosters, it'll give you little icons for like what the players usually main. And so for reinforce, his are listed as Bastion, May, and Torb. <laughs> oh my! Which, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so who else do we got? Uh, someone to look out for, Luddy. Um, Ludwig Hankinson, he is, if anyone knows uh, Houston Outlaws, he is Mendo Kasai. Uh, he is his brother. So oh. that that should be an interesting one to watch. He's he's a contender's Europe talent, um, but he, I think he's a pretty good player as well. He's he's too young to be Overwatch League, but he's he's a good player. Um, so, yeah, Sweden, Sweden, I think, has it in. But as far as the other teams go, I'll kind of just – I'll run over all these. Denmark has Kellex as their as their Overwatch League guy, um, and notable person. They have some other contenders contenders people. Spain has Harry Hook, of course, but they we we can talk more about that after I make this predictions. They they have a lot of issues happening over there in Spain. Um, China, I'm like you said, I'm super interested. Uh, there's only one Shanghai Dragons player on this on this uh, roster. Um, none none of these other players. They're all contenders. China's players. 
uh, which makes complete sense because Shanghai Dragons are, are not very good. So, I, I, like you said, I'm very interested in, in seeing how these Chinese players compare to uh, other players around the world. And then, of course, you got the home team. You got Thailand. You have Mr. Mickey. And the fact that Mickey <clears throat> is listed as a sub and he's the captain on this on this roster is very interesting to me. He's a sub. I noticed that also, yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or what, but if that's true, then maybe this Thailand roster is actually pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Thailand. I, I think your Australia pick is, is probably the smart pick as number two. I'm going to go with the hometown team of Thailand coming out um, and, and upsetting the world here. I think, I think they will. Uh, none, of, none of the hometown teams have 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 lost and not qualified for BlizzCon yet. I think Thailand continues that trend. It's true. You you say the undefeated five and zero? No, <laughs> <laughs> they will lose to Sweden. <laughs> they will not be able to beat Sweden, but uh, they will go four and one. They'll beat everybody else. There you go. And it'll be it, it'll be a super good match versus Australia. Everyone's gonna want to watch that one. Um, so we, we could talk about Spain a little bit. We could, what, what time are these, what time zone is Thailand in? Because, uh, I think it's, or at least the matches are played, uh, at the same time as they were in Korea. Uh, I think, yeah. 8 PM Pacific is the first, okay. uh, the first match this weekend. So I don't know if it's in the same time, same time zone or not, but they're playing the matches at the same time. Okay. 11 PM Eastern time for us. So that's a lot of fun. Um, as far as, as far as talent goes, we have, uh, Zoe classic. We have Mika Burton, who is, uh, part of the NA contenders team. We have Wolf and Achilles, of course, who were there for the Incheon, uh, group stage. We've got Brennan Sideshow, usually members of the desk heading on over to the, to the casters area, which should be exciting. They both started out as casters, so... Um, this isn't that surprising, and they've been in this area before. Uh, ZP and Jake once again back as well. So uh, we got some we got some interesting talent traveling out to Thailand as well. Uh, shall we talk about Spain and their their woes? You want to intro us to to their into their woeful um, their woeful ways? Yeah, we'll definitely have to at some point because yeah, uh, it's it's fairly old news now at this point. It's actually um, we we heard about this almost mid-August um, yeah. now, but um, but yeah, Team Spain um, competing this weekend in the World Cup will be without a head coach um, and also will be without Neptuno. Yeah, uh, so it takes them down only to to seven players, you know, six plus the sub. Um, but yeah, apparently the head coach couldn't attend the event for whatever reason. Um, you know, a visa, uh, that type of thing. And um, as Harry Hook uh, tweeted about on August 18th, um, the, uh, they, they're, they're not going to be able to have uh, a coach there, which is, you know, concerning. Um, yeah, it's, what do you think about the coach thing? Then we'll go to Neptuno. Yeah. I mean, that's even Harry Hook in his tweet even mentioned, like, if the U.S. team had this issue they would be able to get a substitute coach he was sort of throwing jabs out there to blizzard saying hey do you guys not care about spain um yeah i mean they should give them a substitute coach we haven't got any news on that whatsoever that they're getting a substitute coach or anything but um 
Yeah, if they don't have a coach there, if they, if Neptuno is obviously a, a big loss because they're they he would have been one of their best players, um, Philadelphia Fusion fame. I know you agree with me on that one. Um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so that that's a big loss within itself. But you might as well, if you're Blizzard, I know that these coaches were were chosen. Um, but you might as well allow them to have a substitute if they have a visa problem. And Blizzard's going to have to get used to figuring out like what to do when there are visa problems, especially if they want this worldwide league to ha- have all these players traveling all over the place throughout the year. They're going to have to figure out what do we do when a coach can't get a visa approved in time or something or a like player. that. Happens. Yeah, exactly. A player's even bigger. Um Things like that is they're they're things they have to figure out before we get to that point where everyone's traveling all over the place because it's going to hinder the Overwatch League if if like all of if someone on like Soul Dynasty can't make a huge game in America because their visa hasn't been approved yet, like that's just upsetting and it's frustrating for fans and not fun to watch. Um, so and Spain was going to be able to compete at a much higher level if they had Neptuno and if they had a head coach to be there with them, obviously. Um, but they still have some talent on their team. They have Harry Hook, and they 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 could compete for sure. But it, it just it stinks for them that they have to come in with this disadvantage. Definitely. Um, and, and then of course Neptuno. Like I don't know if he explicitly said it, but yeah, he uh, was tweeting about uh, feeling some burnout. Uh, through this, uh, through this inaugural season of the Overwatch League, um, yeah, so that's why he's uh, stepping back from the World Cup um, and preparing then for season, uh, for season two. Um, but I mean, honestly, I don't blame him. You know, he played uh, like nearly every map probably yeah. uh, for the Philadelphia Fusion. You know, put in really, really good work. Um, and so, so I hope a change that they make, um, you, you know, signing a good. A uh, good support player, um, you know, to sort of uh, complement some of that. We'll get into their drops, but uh, but currently Philadelphia only has signed uh, Boombox and Neptuno on support. Uh, so bringing in somebody like Elk, I think, would be a really good decision. Um, try try to put in some uh, some rotations, make sure they're not uh, wearing down their their star mercy. Yeah, I, I certainly don't blame out. I certainly don't blame Neptuno or anybody else who has declined World Cup status because of burnout or because they need a break. Because originally, when Overwatch League was announced, they were talking about how like League of Legends has only one month of an off season, like only one month throughout the year, which is ridiculous. And they were their one of their benefits was. Hey, we're gonna run a lot like sports leagues do, and we're gonna give these players like four to five months of of a break. But now they're they're still doing the World Cup, so like some of these players still have to go year round, um, which kind of stinks. So I don't I don't blame Neptuno, who just had a grueling season with the Philadelphia Fusion, playing like most maps and one of their key supports. Like I don't I don't blame him whatsoever if he wants a break. Like the the whole reason. That was a big thing Overwatch League advertised was like, we're actually going to give our players a break. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a huge topic to talk about. That's one of the big reasons why players are burning out at such a young age. And like that some players are, are quitting or retiring when they're like 23, 24 years old in these other esports games is because they're literally playing year round, like 14, 15 hours a day 
and it's crazy. Um, and hopefully more, hopefully more people, um, realize that esports, these people need a break, even though it's not as physically demanding as sports, it is pretty mentally taxing. All right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll drop this. I, I haven't watched any contender specific at all, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention that the finals, um, for contender specific talent, esports versus Cyclops, Cyclops athlete gaming, um, is this Friday. Um, the 14th yeah that's that's about all i can say as well but it's happening so if you want to watch it go watch it yeah i'll definitely try to watch it i i always i like watching contenders at this time of year to to see because especially with these eight new teams to see who possibly could be heading to the overwatch league this year it's true Speaking of uh, roster changing, uh, we have a bunch that we that happened last uh, beginning of like last weekish, um, about right when we dropped our podcast. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The day we recorded our podcast, we got a lot of news right after. Uh, we'll start with Houston. Houston dropped um, Fact Fiction, which is I'm a Houston or I was a Houston fan last season. I, I don't know who I'm going to be a fan of next season. I was hoping for a Detroit team or someone in the Midwest so I could actually root for a location, but um, we'll see what I do. They dropped Fact Fiction, which is very sad. It he He's a really good tank player, um, and he will definitely be on a team next season. But Muma, even, even after the Overwatch World Cup, Muma's one of the best tank players in the world. This guy's fantastic. Yeah. You just it, it it's hard to find a place for fact fiction when you have one of the best tank players in the league in Muma, um, and I I definitely think that it's between Muma and Linkser for me on Overwatch on on the Outlaws. I mean, um, but I definitely think Muma is like their best player. So you do, you don't want to sub that guy out. Um, fact fiction dropped. You surprised by that one at all? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't think so. Um, it, it's notable. Um... To remember, he was a mid-season sign too. Um, that evidently they decided uh, that there wasn't a proper place for on Houston after all. But, uh, but, yeah. but yeah, no. I think that'll probably be my answer for most of these. Honestly, is that yeah? I mean, it's it's a change that nobody was really shocked by. Yeah, um, no one's shocked by. Some of them are sad. I think Fact Fiction is a sad one because he definitely has the talent to start on a team. Um, and yeah. I was he's got I, he's got some history too. Uh-huh. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know there is some. <laughs> yeah, he was on he was on Phase uh, Phase Clan, and yeah, he was he was like one of the only players on Phase that didn't get picked up, which is ridiculous because he's great. Um, and I uh, I don't know if he was on he definitely was in the World Cup at one point playing for USA. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but um, yeah, he's one of the best american tank players for sure um and it, i was when they picked up fact fiction i was super confused as well because Muma's so good that i was like well, they need like they as we all know they needed a tracer player very badly i don't know why they were picking up fact fiction yeah uh, besides that houston also made two moves that are even less surprising um clockwork he's moving over to the staff uh and mendo uh, who did not see play whatsoever this season is now a content creator for the Houston Outlaws. Uh, so, but they don't lose these players; they just move them to different roles in the organization, um, which is going to be a theme later. Later with these these changes as well, um, 
Clockwork, I think this is a fitting move for Clockwork. I don't think he has the the skill to be a player in this league anymore. I think there was points in his Overwatch career where he where he peaked and he sort of looked very good on F NRG FE. He looked very good. Um, he was on NRG at one point and he was terrible. Um, I think he Clockwork. If you don't know what Clockwork, he comes from Team Fortress Two, which is basically Overwatch uh, made by Valve. And he was one of the best Team Fortress 2 players, and that's why he got his name so big in Overwatch and why people wanted him to be on their Overwatch team. Um, but he just he never got Overwatch down as much as he got Team Fortress 2 down. So it makes sense that he's moving to a staff role now. Um, he, he, certainly, he certainly put in a valiant effort uh, when they they started playing him more there in the middle of the season. Uh, yeah. you, you know, on the Tracer. Uh, you know, hopefully... Uh, you know they're bringing in somebody here in the next while to uh, to maybe fill that hole. Although it's certainly not as uh, necessary as it was in the past. Oh yeah, I mean everyone everyone's always the one thing of the outlaws need is that tracer player, and Clockwork tried his hardest. He really did. Um, but he's he he's now staff Mendo. This is not a surprise whatsoever. I was lucky enough to actually meet Mendo when I was in LA uh, a summer ago. Uh, he's a super super nice dude. Um, he's he's a great streamer as well, so it makes sense that he's going to become a content creator. He was once a part of Offline TV, which is a big streamer house um, filled with streamers from like League of Legends, Fortnite, Hearthstone, and Mendo was their one Overwatch streamer they've ever had, um, and he fits fit in very well there. It just made sense. But it makes sense for him to become a content creator because it seems like he has enjoyed that and been very good at that for a while now, um, and he never played. Uh, outlaws. That's it for the outlaws. Um, they kind of they they took a different approach where they kind of like I liked their approach better where they tweeted out like one player at a time because they were like each each of these players deserves like equal attention like. And and everyone needs to know, like, hey, this player's gone, so you, so they have a chance to be picked up. I like that a yeah. lot. One of the coaches, yes, even specifically said that's the way they did it. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, Flame, Flame tweeted that, right? Yeah. I think Boston. So. Boston. I think this is my one. This Boston, is my, Boston, Boston. <laughs> this is my shocker. <laughs> the rest of these might not be surprising, but Boston dropped mistakes. After I, after I was last week going to talk about how they shouldn't have dropped mistakes, and I'm glad that they didn't, and then they come out and they say, no, we are going to do that. <laughs> what do you think about this? I have I have no idea <laughs> what was going on. I mean, this was the dude who stepped in stage four, uh, or was it even stage three after they uh, lost yeah, uh, stage Dream, three. Dreamcaster, or Dreamcaster, excuse me. Um. Uh, and just carried hard carry this this team through an entire stage undefeated. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the only possible uh, logical reasoning that they might have done something like this that I've ever seen um, is that they're trying to build an all Korean roster. Ooh. But 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 I don't know why they would feel that was necessary i mean they've also got note on there are they going to drop a note you know <laughs> i <Yeah>. mean 
they, they that would also be honestly not very smart um yeah i don't know uh, obviously you know um uh, superstar now on team russia world cup as well um uh, mistakes yeah i don't know um exactly what they're thinking there <laughs> yeah i think he was like beginning to meld in i think at first i think they had him in a role that he wasn't like comfortable with kind of um and of course boston has so many so many other great great talent so much other great talent on their team and like striker um and in gamsu and all these all these other players who are doing fantastic work for them when they went on that that undefeated stage run it, um, it wasn't just mistakes, but they allowed mistakes to get used to this role he wasn't used to um, because he had to take over Dream Casper's role and they needed Stryker to stick to his role and not move into Dream Casper's role whatsoever because Stryker's fantastic tracer. Um, he's fantastic at doing what he does best. Uh, so mistakes was, he was molding to the role very well and he was doing what they needed him to do. Um, and I thought that he had huge potential. Uh, for sure and I thought that they would continue to to try to help him get help him get there you know help him fully get to the place where maybe even Dream Casper was and um fit into this team and he he did super well for Russia as well so I was super shocked to see Boston drop this man but I, I definitely think we'll see him in Overwatch League again next year so yeah as you say you said he had potential he, he still does too yeah. yeah there's no way he's not picked up uh-huh. oh yeah by an expansion team, probably they won't let him sit um, until the <laughs> the original twelve get their chance. Yep. Um, so yeah, that was a shocking drop, especially like after they had dropped they had dropped like a three or three players, and then mistakes yeah. came after. So it was even more shocking because we thought Boston was done. Philadelphia Fusion, uh, your team, uh, with some not too surprising. I believe you predicted this. Uh, pretty easily joe meister Shadowbird, dayfly um and it, as we talk about these aren't surprising but i as i said some of these are sad um yeah although this isn't surprising that Shadowburn has gone off the fusion because eqo replaced him quite clearly um, very early on in the season it's sad because he's such a good player and he's definitely going to find a home uh, next season it just depends where as a fusion fan how do you like these uh well yeah, actually now that i'm thinking about it uh, one of these expansion teams should just pick up shadow burn mistakes as a duo <laughs> i mean we saw saw how good they worked together a couple yeah. weeks ago but um but yeah shadow burn um yeah that's probably the the most shame to me um uh, you know it's really good projectile player uh really good you know, flexing on. I think he even played. I don't know, but yeah, really good protector player. Um, you know, he he'll definitely get picked up. Uh, Joe Meister Dayfly. I didn't include Dayfly in my um, prediction last week, but I probably should have. Um, I don't know exactly what was going on there, but uh, but yeah, Joe Meister um, did not touch the Overwatch League stage all season because uh, obviously they didn't. Uh, Philadelphia didn't play in the preseason. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, he's. Uh, I almost expected. Uh, maybe he would uh, do what some of these other teams are doing, transition into some sort of coaching um, position, some sort of staff position. Uh, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Joe Meister, Dayfly. Uh, Dayfly only played, you know, a handful of maps all season. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, l- looking at things like those coaching decisions. We'll talk more 
um, later about about a Dallas player who's moving to a coaching position as well. I mean, I just find that so odd. Like, why become a coach right now when there's so many opportunities now that they're opening the league up to more teams to become a starting player in this league? And it's it just confuses me. And there's probably reasons I don't know, I don't know of um, for clockwork and all these people. But um, I, I like that Joe because I think Joe Meister can. He's he's a great Lucio player and. I think he can improve and actually start to scrim with teams and like start playing again. Yeah, and so like I said, you know, dropping Joe Meister and Dayfly, they're down from four supports to two. So hopefully they'll be able to, um, like I said, pick up maybe Elk from Fusion University, um, something like that, uh, uh, strengthen that lineup a little bit, uh, put it in a rotation maybe, so uh, they won't uh, be uh, hurting people like Neptuno, you know. Yeah, uh, going into season two. Yeah, and Dayfly. Now that Anna's coming into the meta, Dayfly's signature hero is Anna, so that that kind of stinks that they dropped him. But um, yeah, that's how the that's the way of the meta. Um, yeah. Fusion. We we move on to Soul Soul Dynasty. Miro, Guido, Wikid. Um, they, they all are heading on out. Uh, none of these too surprising, but. Um, Miro is another sad one because we all remember um, the Overwatch World Cup when he was like the Winston, you know, he was like the guy. Um, yeah, it's sad that he's gone, but it makes complete sense because he, I mean, he's just, he's never lived up to the Winston since he was the Winston, kind of. He fell off from that moment. Um, so you could say it was just a small moment. Uh, but yeah, none of these. You surprised by any of these? No. <laughs> yeah. They're down to eight, so they still got a nice core to you know work with. Probably yeah, do but, some building, I would think. I mean, especially when you pick up Fissure. I mean, the Miro move makes even more sense. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So while while Soul does have these drops, they're going to be rebuilding hard. You know it. And, uh, but yeah, none of these. You surprised by any of these? No. <laughs> yeah. They're down to eight, so they still got a nice core to you know work with. Probably yeah, do some I, building, I would think. I mean, especially when you pick up Fissure. I mean, the Miro move makes even more sense. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So while while Soul does have these drops, they're going to be rebuilding hard. You know it, and they, now we know that they're the only Korean team. So. It might be that these Korean players they'll they'll have an advantage in that these Korean players want to represent Seoul the most, um, because I know even in regular sports, uh, players love playing for the teams in their hometown. So that could be a huge advantage for Seoul with no uh, Busan team being added. Um, Florida they made they cleaned cleaned house pretty much, a lot like the Shanghai Dragons, um, and that's smart. Um, unfortunate, uh, but, but smart. Who, who like Tavik and uh, Saya player? Are those the only players they have now? Um, and awesome guy. And awesome guy. Yeah. Yeah. So they dropped Logics, Zappus, Manitan, Swoosh, Zebasai, Zeppe. Um, of course, everyone's upset about Logics. Yeah. The, <laughs> it, it, again, like that's. Uh, look ahead. Make sure. Maybe, yeah, I think that's the the uh, the the second and only other confusing decision uh, yeah. out of out of this list. I mean, you know, we've we've all thanked him enough 
um, <laughs> to know how you know important a deal he is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do you, you know? Just to see uh, what uh, direction they end up to try to replace him. Yeah, I mean he's he's a great player, but it it always makes uh, he'll he'll be somewhere else. But it always makes sense to me when sometimes good players just have to have to be dropped when you're like cleaning house like this because it's just you're gonna go in a completely different direction sometimes and sometimes you just want to get rid of all almost all of the old in order to do that if Um, it just didn't work you gotta change something so exactly um Uh, and that's you gotta give it hand it to the mayhem and the shanghai dragons that's exactly what they're doing um so hopefully they improve uh what do we got next valiant they dropped four Grim Reality, Verbo, Numlocked, and Fincy. Um, none of these are too much of a surprise as well. Um, but uh, apparently, like the big the big news that came out of all this is like how poorly the Valiant treat their bench players. Apparently, um, I I can't remember specifically what what it was, but I just remembered a bunch of Reddit posts and tweets from these players that kind of implied that they were just not treated too well as bench players. Um, yeah, which... and, and of course, Grimiality is uh, a former coach. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, I, I believe this was the team um, that they said they, uh, that they even had like a separate uh, team house for like the B team Yeah, which is, um, and all this. And, which is definitely yeah. unique. None, no one else had that. Um, they are from LA, so I guess it makes sense if they want to like invest two team houses because they are from LA and will be here for a while. But um, that immediately sort of discriminates against them if they're just sticking them in another house and most likely not paying as much attention to them if they're in a, a completely different place. Um, yeah, that's kind of just kind of a sad situation over there, um, even though none of these players are really surprised um and i know i'm i'm hyped for numlocked specifically um he's on he he's a british player who's been who's been good for a while now but he never got to see play this season uh he he was tweeting and he's super hyped about about the ability to start actually playing again and uh possibly getting practice in and becoming a better player uh, so while while these drops suck, I'm excited because there are tons there's tons of opportunity now with more teams being added. Any other comments on those? Uh, I don't think so. No. All right, we can talk about Dallas. We can talk about the Dallas Fuel then. Um, Coco. Uh, I, we last week we were talking because it, the rumor was they're going to drop three people, but they only removed two people from their roster roster of playable players um which was which was good because everyone we were predicting we were like they shouldn't drop these people coco uh he moved to an assistant coach role so he's still in the organization uh but chips he he is no longer on the team at all no one expected or everyone expected this to happen but it sucks um these are two team envy, team envious like OGs. These are two of the beginnings of, of team envy. Uh, so it's very sad to see them no longer play 
but you, you got to get with the times. You got to get with the best players you possibly can. Um, and, and Coco will still be there. He'll still be there in the background. And as we were talking about earlier, Coco, Clockwork, both moving to coaching roles, um, which I, I'm guessing means that they're just sort of burnt out and they don't really want to play anymore. Or they, or they feel they, like they have more to share from experience than from mechanics. Yeah, exactly. Or they just like want to stay with this organization because I know Coco's like Envy's probably super close to his heart and these people in the organization. He he might just want to stay in a place he's comfortable. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, last last week we talked about uh, a, a tweet from uh, what must have been Hastro uh, yeah. saying that they had chosen to renew uh, six contracts. Um, evidently that number then increased to seven. Because um, yeah. we were talking about that they were going to maybe drop uh, one of their hit scan players, uh, Time of AKM or Effect. But it looks like at least, uh, at least for now, all three of them will still uh, be on the Dallas roster for next season. Yeah, they must have because um, the signing period is officially over. The re-signing period is officially over. So um, they they would have had to announce that that released player by now. Uh, so they must have must have added another player to that list. Um, so that's it for dropping news um and transfer transfer news there we have a a final change that just came out today actually uh of course there's going to be a toronto overwatch league team and they have officially announced that bishop is their head coach of course bishop he was head coach for the london spitfire for a bit there um and he's had a big history in overwatch uh kung du panthera back in korea then over to Cloud9, then Cloud9 Kung Du when they merged. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Bishop's had a long history in Overwatch, and luckily he'll still be there. I think he's a great coach. So I think he just, I think he was just thrown into the London Spitfire role kind of awkwardly with with these two new teams that he hadn't previously been coaching. But he was still there because he's a part of Cloud9. So I think that was just an awkward position for him, and I'm I'm glad he found a new role. Yeah, and it's a bit, uh, as we get these other teams, we should see exactly where uh, uh, some of those directions take us. You know. Yeah, um, and it's super. I'm super glad that it's it's starting already. The news is starting to come in. Of course, these expansion teams. They have uh, this entire month. It has already started. It started last night to sign players. Um, they get first dibs on on all these players that have now been dropped, and all the contenders players and all those all those players out there right now. So I'm excited to see a bunch of news, and hopefully these rosters are filled out by then. Um, other news, not roster related. Uber Uber shouts has. He was awarded Talent of the Year um, by what is it, the Esports Awards, Metro In Esports, Stockholm. yeah, yeah. Uh, on camera Talent of the Year, well deserved. I think he's my favorite. I think he's my favorite caster out of just any esport in general. He's just so good at like coming up with like phrases and all this stuff on the fly. It's <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You think it's you think it's well deserved. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he's the rap god for a reason, right? Yeah, so. and I know, I know, Monty, Monty was also, I think, nominated for this. Um, unfortunately, that sounds right. Yeah. Unfortunately, Uber beat him out. 
Monty's got to be upset about that one. But um, yeah, Uber, Uber, well deserved. And I hope more Overwatch League talent can win some awards like this because they are, they are all super talented people. All right, um, big, big announcement. Of course, this this week was was the addition of eight teams. Eight expansion teams this season. Of course, we got Atlantic and or Atlanta and Guangzhou earlier on, um, uh, around the time Overwatch League ended, actually. And now we have six more teams joining Atlanta and Guangzhou. We have Chengdu, Hangzhou, Paris, Toronto, Vancouver, and Washington, D.C. We talked about this a little bit. I think the, the biggest surprise... Because we didn't get any rumors for this whatsoever. It just like came out is the Vancouver team. Um especially like I especially Did we see anything about DC? Yeah, uh yes, Michael. Michael made a video leaking DC about three uh, or four days before it happened, actually. Okay, I hadn't seen that. Yeah. Um Vancouver was like the one thing we barely saw anything about. So that was like out of nowhere, especially when everyone expected Busan and we were seeing, seeing things about Mel Melbourne and um, it, it was just out of nowhere that we got Vancouver um, and no like Chicago, no Midwest team either. What are your, what, what are your thoughts? We got like three NA teams, only one EU team and then three or we have four NA teams joining. Yeah. And then three Chinese teams. <laughs> Did you expect this? Yeah, I mean, we talked. Was uh, that wasn't? A, yeah, I expected it. By the way, that was just a yeah for the uh, <laughs> transition. Because, because yeah, we talked about uh, last week uh, th- that there was going to be a rumor about uh, three three new Chinese teams, and I think both of us were kind of skeptical uh, at first. I mean, uh, like you know, I, I said it I said it last week. I'll say it again. You know that. Um, in theory, we would have seen some of the best uh, from the Chinese region on, uh, or in the form of uh, the Shanghai Dragons. You know, we all saw how that went. Yeah. Um, this this first season, anyway. So, so I mean, um, it, it's not it's not out of the question um, to think you know that they can put together some good teams for this. Um, it, that would make me question even more, um, you know, some of the decisions that were made during season one. Um, but like I said, this this Chinese World Cup team. Uh, it might serve as a good, uh, you know, sort of measuring stick uh, this weekend to try to see um, exactly where some kinds of this talent, uh, this talent is. And I mean, obviously, uh, the new Chinese teams don't have to sign Chinese players. Obviously, you know, we can uh, they can sign Korean players, sign players from all over the world. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, there's there must be money in the country. Yeah, um, money, money in that fan base. That that's what we're going for. Um, you know, but uh, can can they fulfill? I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, to explain how it works, basically, like it's not up to Overwatch League, really, what cities these companies choose. Um, they basically Nate Nancer and the Overwatch League decide the which which ownership groups are going to back these teams based off of how big of an investment they're going to make. Basically, just how much money the Overwatch League is going to get from them. Um, and also based off of like whether or not they trust that group, all that stuff, making sure like they have a trustworthy owner in the league. Um, but yeah, so uh, apparently just like 
we didn't get a Busan, uh, an investor that wanted Busan, and apparently uh, all the European investors don't want in quite yet. Uh, but yeah, as, as as you're saying, Chinese the China stuff is the most surprising to me. Uh, but apparently, Chinese uh, ownership groups think that the Overwatch League is like the future or something, and the Chinese that they have tons of Chinese fans. So I'm gonna trust them on that one. They're the ones putting money into it. Um, but yeah, as you're saying, they don't have to. And I think Slasher tweeted that like 70%, he believes 70% of the new expansion team's pickups will be Korean players. Um, so I think that these Chinese teams are going to learn from Shanghai's 0-40 season and say, yeah, we're just going to pick up the best players we can. We're not going to, it doesn't matter what they are. We're just picking them up as long as they're good at Overwatch. And you, you got to hope that they do that because we I don't want to see another Shanghai Dragons. I don't want to see four Shanghai Dragons next year. <laughs> Shanghai Dragons doesn't want to see another Shanghai Dragons. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, but to get off the Chinese, we could talk all day about the Chinese teams. I think the biggest complaint last year was from European fans that there weren't enough European teams and the time zone sucked. And that problem... It's not being fixed this year, clearly. Uh, it's not very much. Yeah, they added one team, so the Paris Paris London rivalry will be will be huge, obviously. Um, but besides that, I I don't think the time zone thing's going to be changed unless they like. I mean, I guess there there will be more games per week now, but I don't think the time zone thing's going to be changed because these players are still playing in Los Angeles at Pacific time. Pacific Standard Time, they're in California. They're not going to have these players get up at 6 a.m. in the morning to play games. Um, yeah. I, I just don't see it being fixed until Season 3, Once, if, if they're still aiming to get Season 3 to that localization point. Um, I just don't see that being fixed quite yet. Sorry, European fans. It sucks. you got to be patient, I know. And at least you have variety now. Either there's a lot of European Overwatch fans or they're just very vocal because I just see them all <laughs> over the place. Um, but besides that, I think the biggest surprise was the four North American teams because I, I, all the rumors were like that the Overwatch League were not aiming for North American teams anymore. Like, we have too many North American teams is what they've said. And now we, we've added Atlanta, Toronto, Vancouver, and Washington. I mean, we only added two American teams, but... We still added four North American teams, and I think Vancouver's the most surprising. Um, do you do you like these these four cities? Or are they your first choices for North American cities? Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, a first choice might have been somewhere closer in the Midwest. <laughs> Please, um, um, but yeah, I mean, they're certainly not uh, not bad choices. I don't think. Um, I, I, uh, like I said, evidently we had some warning, uh, but DC was at least a little bit of a surprise to me. Mm. Uh, uh, notably, they're well, it's not notable so much, but they're not connected with, uh, for example, the Nationals or the Capitals or the Redskins or something. Uh, they're actually owned by uh, more of an esports person, so that's uh, interesting, I guess. But uh, but yeah, to have. To have a team, you know, I can I can only assume they'll come up with a name that's, you know, patriotic American. in some way. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. What are they? It's funny that you mentioned that. I'm like thinking of the other teams. They have uh, the Washington Nationals for baseball. They have the Washington Capitals for hockey. They have, um, and then their football team is the Washington Redskins, which is <laughs> not not as American. Um, what's their What's their basketball team's name again? Um, but yeah, they're all their teams are like pretty much red, white, and blue. The Washington Capitals were not red, white, and blue at one point, but then they changed. They changed to red, white, and blue pretty recently, maybe like ten years ago. Um, why can't I remember the Washington D.C. basketball team? Washington Wizards, which I guess is <laughs> that's not too American, but they have American red, white, and blue colors. They're gonna go red, white, and blue. I guarantee it. But yeah, if we take a look at the ownership groups backing backing these teams, I don't think too many of them are surprised. I, the Washington Esports Ventures, um, I think Mark Ean, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name, but he owns the Washington Castles, which is a part of the World Team Tennis League, which I saw on TV once when I was at Scotty's Brewhouse near Butler. Um, and that was very interesting to me. I don't understand that league whatsoever but he's clearly already already into sports um what's the what's the the vancouver one the team the uh group who owns the vancouver canucks which is their one sports team their their hockey team um and they own the arena that they the the canucks play in called rogers arena um so that's that's a i think that's a very good group to invest um, into this. I always like seeing people from traditional sports come in because they, most of them also own the arena that their team plays in. So that's really good for localization. Um, as far as the Chinese teams go, you got like Billy Billy and Huaya Inc. Um, both of them into media, into gaming, into live streaming. So you'll take that. Um, I mean, overall, I, I like these groups. And uh, I please give me the name, give me the names, give me the logos, please. Sometime soon, I just want to see the colors. Um, pretty pictures to look at. That's what we're going for. I, I just want pretty pictures to look at. That's all. I. That's all. That's all. The, the whole reason why I watch the Overwatch League. Pretty pictures to look at. Um, but yeah, pretty big news. Um, we are deep into this podcast. We're like an hour into this podcast, and we just got to the topics. We have two topics lined up. One is like a very big topic. So I, maybe we push this back once again, um, which is our league formatting predictions for season two. We have a, that's like not time. That's not time sensitive whatsoever. Yeah. We've Unless, got a month and a half or more. <laughs> yeah. Um, our other topic though is from um, BZ, Ethan BZ Spectre, senior analyst for the Philadelphia Fusion posted a nice little article with some with some cool stats uh on medium the other day that yeah. I, I think you i think you wanted to talk about specifically so why don't you introduce it yeah first of all uh he does that frequently so if that's something you're interested in you can follow um ethan bz specter on twitter at bz 1515 b-e-z-y for whatever that's worth um, but yeah so this article um, he, he titled it, uh, You Left a Zippasai-Sized Hole in My Heart, an empirical analysis of the impact of the off-season drops. Um, and it, it's you know it, it's a read. You can uh, take some time to look at it. But um, notably, uh, I wanted to look at 
there's a chart uh, that describes uh, the percent of played roster affected uh, by the drops that have been made so far. Um, and the way he did this was looking at uh, stage three, stage four, and the grand finals after the roster locks came into effect. Um, and looking at um, the number of maps that the team played that included a player that they have now dropped and also uh, the, the, the number of, of slots. Uh, you, you know, it's just to say a team plays four maps, there are potentially 24 um, playing slots in that game, right, from, from a six-player roster in each map um, to, to see what percentage of those slots were affected uh, by these drops. And it's really interesting. It uh, looks like this was before uh, Valiant dropped their players. Um, I think that was a, that was a Sunday night thing. Yeah. from last week but uh, but notably uh four teams florida shanghai uh dallas and la gladiators um have lost a player or players that collectively played in 100 percent of the maps that they played in the second half of the season yeah. uh, which is just fascinating uh souls up to 95 and boston uh is sitting in 90 percent uh, and then there's actually a really sharp decline down to 40 percent for new york uh, but anyway, it just shows you, uh, you know, Florida Shanghai might not be so surprising, um, you know, just because of uh, all the players they did drop. Um, but, you know, Dallas, um, with their changes, um, you know, not very many actual players. Uh, they only dropped, what, three uh, players. But even the loss of Siegel, uh, you know, affected 100% of their oh, of yeah. their uh, latter season maps. Uh, for the Gladiators, you know. Fisher. Yeah, mostly Fisher, uh, you know, a little bit of these others too. But uh, you know, again, a hundred percent of these maps. Um, anyway, it's just interesting to watch. Very uh, interesting to look at this graph. So, like I said, LA Valiant is listed at zero because um, this was before they made their announcement. But uh, yeah, you know, I think if, if that's the way you want to measure player effectiveness, which probably shouldn't be, but, <laughs> uh, but but that's a way you could do it, and it gives you some interesting results. It's fun. It's fun to look at, um, but it's it's cool to see Mayhem Shanghai obviously like at the t- at the very top of these of this list, be- and it makes sense. Uh, they dropped like all their players, uh, but it's more interesting to see people like the Houston Outlaws and San Francisco Shock like at the bottom of the list instead of people like New York XL or Philadelphia Fusion who had very successful seasons. Outlaws and Shock didn't even make the playoffs, but they are very confident in their rosters and. I mean, I I think rightfully so for specifically the shock, their team in the second half of the season got significantly better um, with the addition of of like Super Sinatra, all these people who um, who finally grew up and became men, turning eighteen years old, um, and and the addition of uh, what's his name, the guy who's the coach for the Boston Uprising, um, I can't remember his name, but he was very uh, good question. He, he led them to the 10 and 0 as well. He was part of that 10 and 0 roster. Um, uh, the shock complete. That makes sense to me that they have barely dropped any of their effective roster because their effective roster is, is very good. Same with the outlaws. The outlaws are very crusty. Con- crusty. Yes. That's the coach's name. Yeah. Yes, it is. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> the outlaws. I know that many of their players have tweeted. They're very confident in the players they have right now. And at, t- at their like, heights at their highest points outlaws have looked like one of the best teams in the league 
at their lowest lows they haven't they just haven't found the consistency and they haven't found a tracer player um even though tracer's not too good in this meta right now a tracer player is always useful i think just one dps um one dps addition for the outlaws should be good enough and there are rumors that the shock are trading dante to the outlaws did you hear about uh, these rumors no i didn't which would be a that, fantastic that would... That would solve the problem. <laughs> yeah, it would be a fantastic trade for both teams because Shock, um, they don't really need Dante. They have they they've got a lot of DPS players. Um, even though Dante's fantastic, he has an, uh, he's like my most improved player. Honestly, he's at the beginning of probably at the beginning of the season. I had very low expectations for Dante. I did not think he was that good of a player, but he surprised me every single week. Um, and the shock don't really need him that much because they have some fantastic DPS talent. So it'd be great to get rid of him for some money or another player. And the outlaws fantastic for them as well, because they need a tracer player and Dante is a tracer player. Yeah. So that's my spiel on the outlaws. San Francisco shock. Anything else interesting to you on this, on this graph? Uh, I guess not particularly scroll through here. Um, um, but yes, so the the name of the article then came from, um, yeah, that Zebesai in particular, uh, Zebesai and Zupe for Florida, uh, yeah. tied for number one ranking in that they played all of the maps that Florida did um, in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and, and uh, you're talking about Houston having a confident roster. Um, Houston and Philly Fusion each dropped three players, uh, but none of them played more than 20%. Uh, n- n- none of the individual players that they dropped played more than 20% of the maps that their team did uh, yeah. during that time period. So, oh, yeah. Makes makes complete sense for both of them. Um, even though Outlaws didn't make the playoffs, I think Outlaws are super confident. And Fusion obviously had a fantastic run at the playoffs. Um, and I, I like the Fusion starting roster a lot. And I think they, they have room for improvement and room to uh, maybe go back to the grand finals again next year. Another notable thing we never talked about was the London Spitfire dropped nobody. Yeah, um, at least not yet. <laughs> uh, there's been no no news from the London Spitfire yet, um, which makes sense from a championship winning team, right? Yeah. You, you don't uh, change what you don't need to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like, and they've only got seven players, so they, it's not like they can even drop, uh, you know, drop the excess or something. Yeah, they mostly drop the excess uh, later in the season, actually. So I think yeah. most of their drops happen pretty early on. I'm not surprised that they've re-signed all those players. So, um, yeah, interesting little article for sure. Um, go go read it. BZ BZ's amazing, um, and I know you think he's amazing as well because he's part of the Philadelphia Fusion. Um, <laughs> there's that uh, let's uh, another fantastic episode with tons of tons of news hopefully I, I don't think we will have as much news to talk about next week so we can hit that topic of league, for, league formatting predictions um, I would love to have more news I always love news and I love roster pickups but I don't think those expansion teams are, are picking up rosters quite yet so hopefully we'll get to that topic next week um, as far as social media goes you can follow us on our personal Twitters. Mine is JWGeorgeIV. Um, Joe's is Kirkpatrick underscore Inc. I-N-C. And then you can follow us uh, at our podcast Twitter, On The Flank Show. 
You can email us in some topics or questions you would like us to answer on the flank show at gmail.com is that email. Um, of course, you found this podcast in some way, but if you want to listen to it in a different way, we have tons of options for you. You can listen to it on ontheflank.podbean.com. You can listen to it on YouTube. My channel is John George. Or you can subscribe and listen to us on iTunes. That's my favorite way to do it because you press that subscribe button. It just sends it to your phone every single week, um, every single Monday night when we release one of these episodes or Monday afternoon. Uh, depends how quickly I edit it. And of course, next week, Joe, you know what happens next week? Episode five. It's Spot- true. We go on Spotify. Spotify. That's, when, that's when we really hit the big time right there. Oh, yeah. There are tons of Spotify users. And uh, <laughs> guess what, Spotify users? We will be coming to Spotify next week. Spotify requires you to have five episodes for some reason. I mean, they're just doing their due diligence, trying to figure out if we're a legit podcast and if we're dedicated to the art form. And we are. Um, so, yeah, look out for Spotify next week. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Catchphrase!